Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, we heard Pastor's new message, Never Stop and Never Forget. Well, it's good to see each and every one of you, and uh, I want to get right into our text uh, this morning in Psalm 103. Now, if you were here last week, as we discussed last week from our text in 1 Thessalonians 5, remember we were in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16, 17, and 18, and that passage says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And last week we talked about the subject of everyday things, things that really we ought to be doing every day. And we talked about the idea of being, uh, last week talked about the idea of being joyful. We talked about being prayerful. But most of all, last week we, we went away from God's house. I hope you went away too, understanding our call and our requirement to be grateful. And certainly God appreciates a grateful heart. And certainly every day that you and I are blessed with is another opportunity that you and I have to praise the one from whom all blessings flow. You understand that any blessing that you have, any blessing that I have, they all flow from one source. They all flow from one source. (laughs) Oh, it's good to be in God's house again. Amen. You know, as I think about this, praising the one from whom all blessings flow, it's easy to say, and quite frankly, it's easy to understand, but many times it's difficult to do. Have you ever thought about that? It's difficult to praise God all the time. It's like, man, that pastor wants me to praise God all the time. It's difficult to do. Why is that? Because we're forgetful people. We forget. Man, I I forget where my car's parked sometimes in Walmart, let alone forgetting to praise God. Listen, What's crazy is we have an uncanny ability to remember a lot of things. I mean, I have a brother that can remember just about anything. It's like, I remember when we were kids, my brother could, could quote somebody's lifetime batting average, their ERA, the number of bases they've stolen in their whole career. I'd be like, what are you, ESPN? I mean, this, my brother just had that uncanny ability to remember that. But you know what, when I think about that, we also have an uncanny ability to remember some things too. Like our past hurts, don't we? You ever hold a grudge against somebody? We remember our past hurts. We remember our past sorrows. We remember our past burdens. But, but when I think about God, we, come to, we tend to come up short. We come up short many times when it comes to thanking God or recalling just how much God loves us, just how much he's blessed us and how much he's done for us. And so today I want to speak to you on the simple title, of never stop and never forget. Never stop and never forget. When we look at our passage, we can see some of the things that we're never to stop doing. In fact, the psalmist says, never stop praising him. And then he turns right around, and this is where the title came from. He says, and never forget. Never forget his benefits. Never stop praising and never forget his benefits. You see, when we stop praising God, I believe there's an indication of something else that's going on in our heart. If we're not praising God on a pretty regular basis, there's something else that's going on in the heart. And if we're, if we're at a place in our life where we're actually forgetting all of the things that God has done for us, uh, there's a pretty good chance that we're following after some other God, little g. Little g. 
See, if, if, if I forget that God is good, if I forget that he's gracious, if I forget that he's merciful, if I forget these things, it's a pretty good chance that I'm probably following after some other God in my life. And you say, have you had gods that you followed after? Absolutely. We all are prone to this. We are prone to wander after these things that are not right. Notice the psalm again in Psalm 103. Notice what the Bible says. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfy thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Now the background of this psalm is unclear, but what is very clear to me is that David has a desire to praise God for all that he has done. Now, this is only a short five verses, so we don't encompass all that God has done in these five verses. But David is wanting to bless the Lord. And notice in verse 1 and 2, that word bless actually means to kneel. To kneel. The idea of kneeling or showing adoration to God is what that word means. And so what, when we apply it to God, what David is saying is I need to praise God. I need to kneel in adoration and in praise to God for who he is. In fact, if you notice in the first two verses, he calls on himself three times. Three separate times to concentrate on and to give the right amount, the appropriate amount of praise to God. Why? Because David wants his praise to be pure. Notice the words in Psalm, uh, in verses 1 and 2. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He says it over and over. He wants his praise to be pure, but he also wants his praise to be lavish. Notice he says, all that is within me. Man, David was saying, hey, I want my praise to be so lavish. I'm saying, God, all that's within me, everything that I have, everything that I think, everything that I do, I want to give that praise back to you. Oh, isn't that good? That's a reminder that David wanted to offer up his own personal sacrifice of praise to God for all that he had done and all that he was. In Hebrews 13, I referenced this at the end of last week's message. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 15, the Bible says this. It says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips. That means we're going to speak it. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. In, verses, in, in verse 2 where David says that forget not all his benefits, that word benefits actually is a reference to the treatment or the way God had dealt with David. Now just ask yourself a question. How has God dealt with you this morning in your life? I remember in Sunday school we were talking about this a little bit earlier this morning and I'm reminded of God's mercy over and over you know, mercy, if you've never heard it put this way, mercy is God not giving you or I what we really deserve. How many times have you deserved something and God withheld it? <laughs> Probably too many to count. We were reading in Psalm 136, and if you get a chance later, go there and read Psalm 136. It's 26 verses, and every verse ends with, For his mercy endureth forever says the same thing. It's like a broken record. 
Why did God do this? Because his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Over and over and over again. Listen, we ought to be lifting up our praise to God. Never stop praising him. I think about the story, you remember, when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And uh, the Pharisees, they come to the Lord as they, they, they have this... Uh, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say ticker tape parade. Jesus is on the donkey and they've got the palm branches and, and the scene is extravagant. You know, they're, they're worshiping and praising him. Oh, Hosanna in the highest and, and whatnot. And the Pharisees, they ask uh, Jesus, they say, you need to tell your disciples to shut up. You need to rebuke them right now. And Jesus, he, he turns around and he says, listen, if I were to tell them to be quiet, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, time out. If the stones would cry out, if we were silent, how much more should we be praising God? We should never stop praising Him. This is what David was saying, all that's within me. Lord, let me praise you day in. Let me praise you day out. No matter whether it's a good situation, no matter whether it's a bad situation, I ought to be praising you because you are worthy to be praised. And so today I want us to recognize and reflect just for a second on the benefits that you and I have as believers in Jesus Christ. Now if you're here this morning saying, you know what pastor, I don't believe that Jesus is Lord. I hope by, before you walk out the door you will say, yes he is Lord and I want to make him Lord of my life. But if you're sitting here and you say, I don't believe it, let me provide some, some, some uh, supporting evidence for you to actually believe. But if you're a believer here this morning, I want to remind us all of the benefits we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what verse number 3 says. It says, that, I just want you to notice the first part. It says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Listen, we should never stop praising him. If you're a note taker, we should never stop praising him, number one, because of the benefits of forgiveness and restoration. Oh, we have the benefit of forgiveness and restoration. He forgives us. He pardons us. David begins with this benefit of being pardoned from his perverseness, his crookedness. In fact, that word here, iniquities, comes from the Hebrew word avon, which comes from the root word eva, which actually means to crook. It means to crook. And it actually means, and uh, Brian and I have talked about this before, the different meanings of transgression, iniquity, and sin in the Hebrew and then also in the Greek. To crook, it actually means to be twisted out of shape. Isn't that how our heart is sometimes? We're twisted out of shape. We have a heart that runs and chases after things that only end up in heartache. And so David says, listen... Help me not to forget your benefits of forgiveness. He says, you forgive us all. It's only right to praise you because, God, no one but you can actually forgive sin. In fact, if you notice, he says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Look at verse number 3 again. That verb usage, now I don't want to take you to English class, but that verb usage actually indicates and implies to you and I that there is a continuous action of forgiving that is going on with God. Who forgiveth all our iniquities. He continually forgives all of our iniquities. Listen, he forgives the lesser sins of life, sins like weakness and failures, but he forgives all of our iniquities. And the wonderful thing about our God is this. When a person actually comes to faith seeking and begging for forgiveness, 
That is exactly what God gives. You don't have to pay him. You don't have to come up with some kind of contract for God. You just say, God, I'm a sinner. I need you to forgive me. And God says, forgiven. How amazing is that? Oh, it's not based on your good looks. It's not based on your wealth. It's not based on your good behavior. You can't walk the old lady across the street enough times to receive his forgiveness. But if you call out upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says he will forgive. And he will come into your life. Listen, God, for Christ's sake, he abundantly pardons and leaves nothing unforgiven. That includes original sin, actual sin, sins of the heart, sins of the lips, sins of omission, sins of commission. You say, what does that all mean? That means when you don't do what's right and when you do what's wrong. Omission and commission. When you forget to do what's right and when you do what is wrong. The Bible reveals to us all sin is forgiven. If you drop down in Psalm 103... Just drop down a few verses. The Bible tells us in verse number 12 that as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Have you ever stopped to calculate how far the east is from the west? You say, well, yeah, I got to California and then we're here on the... No, no, no. Just keep going west. You just keep going. Just keep going. Oh, you want to go east? Just keep going. Just keep going. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions. I like what Micah, the Bible says in Micah chapter 7, in verse number 18 and 19. The Bible says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever. Why? Because he delighteth in mercy. Uh, Verse number 19. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue. Notice that word subdue. He will subdue our iniquities and that will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You see, here's a bonus with Jesus. Not only does he subdue all our iniquities and he cast all our sins in the depths of the sea. Now, a lot of people say, why do you always get excited about that? Because if you actually go to Revelation chapter 21, the Bible says one day there's coming a day that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth because the former earth and the former things are going to be passed away. But the beautiful thing is in verse 1, it tells us also, and there was no more sea. The sea where God cast our sins into the depths of it, one day he's getting rid of the whole thing. Oh, see, he not only forgives us, he forgets. That's very different from the way we deal with sin. Listen, that word subdue means that God, through Christ Jesus, he conquered our sin. He made an end of it. He removed it. He actually trampled on it just as a conquering hero steps on the neck of his enemy. That's what Jesus did to our sin. He said, guess what? He said, this is what I think of sin. You remember what he told the serpent in Genesis chapter 3. He said, oh, there's coming a day when you're going to be finished. You can actually read in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 10, the end of Satan forever and ever. Oh, yes, soon and very soon, Jesus is coming again. I think about John the Baptist, this idea of being forgiveness. When he looked and he saw Jesus coming, you remember what he said in John chapter 1, verse 29? He said, behold, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. He proclaimed that he was the great forgiver. He also not only forgives, but he restores us. Notice in verse 3 again, 
He forgives us, but then notice the last part of it says, who healeth all diseases. Now, this is not necessarily, guys, I'm sorry to tell you, this is not necessarily dealing with bodily diseases like we might think. This is more or less speaking of spiritual disease that he removes. But whether you're struggling with a bodily disease or a spiritual disease, I want you to know there's only one who can heal it. Did you get it? It doesn't matter whether it's spiritual or whether it's bodily. There's only one Redeemer who can heal that sinfulness, that that problem in our life. Listen, no matter what we struggle with, it can only be healed by God. I think about uh, the process of corruption being halted when Jesus came in. In fact, I love this verse, and a lot of times people say, what's your life verse? Uh, I kind of like the whole Bible, but if you had to ask me, I, I mean, I like 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I used to write that a lot. People would say, what's your favorite verse? And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Listen, David said in Psalm 23, one of the most famous psalms of all. In fact, people who are not even Christians actually quote Psalm 23. Isn't that crazy? There's people who don't even believe that Jesus is Lord, and yet they will get into a sticky situation, and they start quoting Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, verse 3, David says, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Listen, this is our great Redeemer. He, he, he not only forgives, but He restores us. I was reading in John Gill's uh, exposition of the entire Bible, and John Gill says this about sin. He says, sin is a natural, hereditary, epidemical, nauseous, and mortal disease. And there are many of them, a complication of them in men, which God only can cure. Speaking of men, he actually goes on and he says, God heals them by his word, by means of his gospel, preaching peace, pardon, and righteousness by Jesus Christ, by the blood, wounds, and stripes of his son. He says, we are healed. Oh, forget not his benefits of forgiveness and restoration. We are forgiven and we are healed and Jesus Christ alone forgives all our sins and He alone heals all our infirmities. We should never stop praising Him also because of the benefits of our freedom and our coronation. Number two, our freedom and our coronation. Notice what verse number four says. Verse number four says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Have you ever felt like you were headed for destruction? (laughs) I remember when I was a kid, my brothers and I were playing one night, and I remember I said a word that I shouldn't have said. And at the very instant that I said that word, my dad slammed the door open. And it was a word that I should have never uttered, or a phrase, if you please. And uh, it was referencing something about my mom that I had no idea what it meant. As a five-year-old boy, I realized uh, who, uh, who my dad uh, loved more. My mom or me? I was praying for freedom at that moment that night. I'm so thankful that with Christ I have the benefit of freedom and the benefit of being coronated. The coronation that he gives each and every one of us. The word redeem actually means to buy back. 
That's what the word redeem. A lot of times we hear my redeemer lives, you know, and redeem and redeemeth and all these words, and, and we never stop to think about what that means. That word actually means to buy back, to free from the consequences of sin, to remove the obligation of someone by payment. That means that because you and I couldn't pay the price, Jesus stepped in and he paid the price to redeem us, to free us. It actually has its association with the word atone or expiate. It actually has the, uh, the, the, the connection there. In Psalm 34, verse 22, the Bible says, The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. In Galatians, <laughs> Galatians chapter 4, by the way, this is why Jesus came in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4 and 5, if we have that yet, yeah, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Why did he send his Son? Verse number 5. It says here, To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Oh, praise his name. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Oh yes, he is our redeemer. He has freed us. I like what Titus, Titus chapter 2 tells us in verse number 11 and following. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to what men? All men. It says to all men. It says teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of that great God and of our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Why did he do it? That he might redeem us from all iniquity. Why did he do it? That he might redeem us from all iniquity. That word there means wickedness again. And to purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that he forgives us. I'm thankful that he heals us. I'm thankful that he redeems us. As Christians, we've been bought with a high price. When Paul told the church at Corinth, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, you should be glorifying God in your body and your spirit, which are the Lord's. Over in 1 Peter, Peter writing to a displaced group of Jewish believers, he writes this in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, talking about the high price that was paid for our redemption. He says this, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, that word conversation means conduct, he says, received by the tradition of your fathers, but notice what verse 19 says, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's how we were redeemed. He had to spill his blood to redeem you, to redeem me, to redeem the sin of the world. We sing that song. In fact, we actually, I don't know if we sang it last week. We usually sing it at this time of year, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And the other day I was thinking about that song and humming that song as I was, I was writing some notes. And in verse 2 of that song, the song says these words. It says, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. That word interposed actually means to intervene. He intervened on my behalf. 
because he knew I was unable to do it myself. Oh, God help us never to forget the benefit of redemption. And then also, he not only redeems us, he crowns us. You see, verse number four again, it says, Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Guys, with our Lord, forgiveness, healing, redemption are not enough. He says, it's not enough that I forgive you. It's not enough that I heal you. It's not enough that I redeem you. I'm going to crown you because you are royalty. He says, I'm going to crown you with something. Notice he says, I'm going to crown you with loving kindness and tender mercies. In fact, speaking of this crown, this particular crown, Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrote these words. He says, this crown is studded with gems of grace and lined with a velvet of loving kindness. It is decked out with jewels of mercy, but made soft for the head to wear by a lining of tenderness. Who is like unto thee, O Lord? God himself crowns the princes of his family, for their best things come from him directly and distinctly. He went on to say, he says, they do not earn the crown. He's speaking of you and I. He says, we don't earn the crown, for it is of mercy, not of merit. They feel their own, in it, they feel their own unworthiness of it. Therefore, he deals with tenderness, but he is resolved to bless them. And therefore, he is ever crowning them, always surrounding their brows with coronets of mercy and compassion. Listen, loving kindness and tender mercies are divine attributes that God, for Christ's sake, allows us to be crowned with. What a thing to be thankful for. Have you ever thanked God for having a crown of loving kindness and tender mercies? And then the second question is, are you regularly making use of his loving kindness and tender mercies? See, it's one thing to be crowned with something. It's another thing to actually put it into use. David knew about the divine benevolence of God. In fact, in Psalm 25, verse number 6, David writes these words. He says, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. David says, Your mercy, your kindness is nothing new, God. Oh, help me to put it into use. I think about the manifold graces and mercy of God and how great they are. When I think about His loving kindness and His mercy towards me, I'm reminded that I ought to be praising Him every day of my life. Now some of you are sitting here and you're saying, I'm not connecting the dots with the loving kindness and tender mercies. And I get it, it's quiet. We're filled with turkey and stuffing and pumpkin pie. But if you don't understand how blessed it is to be crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies, you're missing it. You're missing out on the whole relationship thing with Jesus Christ. I think about Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 as I was talking about earlier. It is of the Lord's mercies that you and I are not consumed. In other words, because of his mercy, he withholds his anger when we lie, when we cheat, when we steal from one another, when we gossip about one another, when we slander one another. As he looks at his children, any parents here? Have you ever been disappointed in what your child does? Can you imagine what God does when he looks down and he says, there's my child gossiping again. There's my child dishonoring me again. There's my child running amok again. And yet the Bible says 
because He is a merciful God, we are not consumed. I'm thankful for that. In verse number 23, it tells us that His mercies are new every morning. It says, great is thy faithfulness. Listen, we should never stop praising our God because He's the one who frees us and crowns us. By the way, what's so important about loving kindness and tender mercy is this, that without it, you and I can't show kindness or mercy to anybody else. If I don't understand what kindness or mercy look like, how am I then going to be able to share that with my wife? How am I going to be able to share that with somebody else I come into contact with? I... I'm afraid that if we don't get a grip on this idea of being crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies, there are going to be fewer people that want to be attracted to Christ because of our lives than will be uh, uh, ordinarily so. See, what they're going to do is they're going to look at our lives they're going to say, no, I don't see any kindness. I don't see any mercy. All I see is grumpy people. I see Mr. and Mrs. Curmudgeon getting dressed up every Sunday and going into the Lord's house. And if they have their tie on the right way, if they have their dress put on the right way, they think everything's good and yet they hate me. You see, those things are not compatible. Once we enter into a relationship, once we have been forgiven, once we have been healed, once we have been redeemed, we have also been crowned. And that crowning is with loving kindness and tender mercies. And God says, because I crowned you with it, you need to go out and show that kindness and mercy to others. Oh, what a wonderful thought from God's word. Listen, he is our provider. He is our peace. He is our healer. He's our shepherd. He's our banner, if you're pleased. The Lord Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Without him, we have no righteousness at all. Oh, we should never stop praising him. And then lastly, we should never stop praising Him because of the benefit of the fullness we enjoy. See, He satisfies us and He strengthens us, doesn't He? He satisfies our soul and He strengthens our soul. Notice what verse number 5 says of our text. It says these words. It says, Who satisfy thy mouth with good things. In fact, if you were to flip one page over to Psalm 107, verse number 9 says this, For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. In both cases, the word satisfieth actually means to sate. It means to sate. S-A-T-E. That means to satisfy to the fullest. In our case... It means to fill, and it indicates this. It, what it's meaning for you and I is that with Jesus Christ in our life, we are so full that we should have no desire for anything else. See, he fills all of the gaps. He fills all of the needs in our lives. And so what that verse is saying, and when it talks about he satisfies our mouth with good things, he satisfies the longing soul, it means that we are so full that we would never need anything else. Oh, the world offers a lot of things. I just wrote down a few. I've sought after some of the things the world has offered. Uh, they offer things like headache. Anybody ever gotten a headache? They offer headache. They offer pain. The world offers death. But with Christ, our Lord offers a heart of love. He offers peace. He offers life and blessing. And oddly enough... You know this? I've never met a Christian who was right with God. Now, that's, the, that's the, uh, the prepositional phrase, if you please, who was right with God. I've never met a Christian who was right with God while at the same time told me, Pastor, I'm unsatisfied with God. I've never met a Christian who said, I'm unsatisfied with God. 
Oh, listen, he satisfies us. He strengthens us. In fact, verse 5 says he strengthens us so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. In other words, God gives you and I the renewed strength to run this race of life. And when we think about renewing our strength as eagles, I know everybody's mind, if you've been there before, you're directed to Isaiah chapter 40. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 29, the Bible says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But, but, notice that word, but, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, listen, when we rest in Him, we begin to draw our strength from Him. And when we're drawing our strength from Him, you'll find that you are in a constant state of renewal and recharging. I have this uh, leaf blower at the house, and it's a battery-operated thing. And the kids got it for me a few years ago, and it's got these humongous batteries. And you would think that a battery like this size, when you plug it in, the leaf blower would last you all day. It lasts about 15 minutes. And then I find myself, hmm, I guess I need to invest in a better leaf blower, you know. And then I plug it in and get it charged up again. And then I go back out and do 15 more minutes of, of leaf blowing and all these things. It's not a good solution. As Christians, it's not a good solution to let the charge run out. We ought to always be renewing and recharging our batteries, so to speak. Oh, while we're on the subject, over in John chapter 15, verse number 5, the Bible reminds us that He is the vine, we are the branches. So the life of the vine, the life source of the vine, is actually what gives strength, vigor, and vitality to the branches. If we don't remain connected with the vine, what happens? It dies, we shrivel up and die. Isn't that what happens in a plant? Anybody ever ripped a branch off of a plant and then seen it live? Mm -mm. It withers away. Listen, as primary beneficiaries of all of God's goodness, isn't the Lord worthy of our worship and praise? And I close the message by simply asking the question, is He getting it? Is He getting our praise? Is He getting our worship? Have you stopped praising Him? What's going on in your life that you stop praising God? What's going on in your life today where you have forgotten His benefits? Oh, they're more numerous than we could cover in this message. But as David tells us, his desire, his desire was to praise the Lord with all that was within him. His thoughts, his words, and his actions. I just say, may God help us to do the same. Never stop praising Him. And never, ever, ever forget his benefits of Christ. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.